Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host... Charlotte Spicer. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a very special segment for for you today. Whether you have diabetes or simply want to lose weight and have grown tired of the struggle, this segment is for you. If you're a regular listener of the show, you're aware that we believe that life is about relationships. In this discussion with author Aaron D. Snyder, We'll delve into our relationships with ourselves and how that translates into our relationship with food. Aaron Snyder had a very unhealthy lifestyle until he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in September 2000 at the age of 22. While type 2 diabetes doesn't usually emerge until middle age, his sedentary junk food style of living placed him at the front of the line to receive the shocking diagnosis. But rather than accept a tedious, dreary existence of medical dependency, he changed his mind, accepted responsibility for his physical well-being, and changed his life. Among the largest category of books are diet and cookbooks lending fact to uh, to America's love of food and obsession with weight loss. There are many books on the market that contain medical advice and wisdom on health, self-help, dieting, and fitness. But nowhere is there a book that conveys thorough information on all of these crucial topics quite like quite like Aaron's book, The New Diabetes Prescription, The Diet, Exercise, and Mindset Revolution. Arranged in 12, 12, quote, prescribed methods to address such topic as understanding your relationship with food, being accountable for your choices, managing stress, controlling emotional eating, maintaining healthy blood sugar levels, choosing the foods that are right for you, and knowing how much to eat and following through, even when cravings and bad habits seductively call your name. So today we'll explore the concept of changing our minds to achieve not only physical well-being, but how reaching that goal results in emotional strengthening and spiritual nourishment. Aaron is a former patient. He is no longer a patient. He's a certified trainer, nutritional consultant, and author of this wonderful new book that I will cherish. Um, I found a lot in this that I would like to work into my routines and my lifestyle. I do not have diabetes, but we're going to talk about all of this today. So let us join, let, welcome me in joining him to the show. Hello, Aaron. Hi there, Charlotte. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. I just want to mention to the audience, Aaron, before we start uh, talking about all this great information, that um, your, your website, it's an information website, and it's a comprehensive source on this subject, and that is ultimateweightlossrx.com, weightlossrx.com. While you're listening, visit the website to review all that's offered to help you succeed in becoming the healthiest you. And if you're interested in becoming a member at 
Aaron's website, I can make that available to you at a discount. So please send me an email at spiritualinsightsradio at gmail.com, and I'll send you the information you need. Now, Aaron, you got to tell me what happened. What were you doing that you had this all come crashing down on you at the, at the young age of 22? Well, you know, it's what I was doing for those 22 years before uh, I finally got type 2 diabetes, which was binge eating and not exercising and, and not caring, really, you know, just living, living in denial. I had gained about right. 80 pounds of denial, you know, over this time period, depending on, you know, what your body fat percentage is at the time. Mm-hmm. I had stage 2 obesity by the time I come down with type 2 diabetes, so I was, I was pretty much a wreck, but what I was doing was I was eating fast food up to four times a week. I was controlling very poorly my emotions with food, and it was my drug. I mean, you can, you can exchange the word food with, you know, any sort of hard drug that you can think of. You know, alcoholism and drug addiction both run in my family, and I remember scoffing at, uh, some, you know, my sibling who was uh, in, you know, psychiatric wards for, for drug abuse at certain times. And really, I was doing the exact same thing. I was self-medicating myself, oh, the, you okay. know, just using food instead of drugs and alcohol. I mean, I there was see. really no difference. Yeah, I mean, we're talking, if I was in, I remember having a college class where I was told that the final would be 100% of the grade, and it was called Honors Advanced Linear Algebra, and that should scare you, the name. <laughs> and, you know, I remember, yeah, and it's like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, settle that by having two pumpkin pies in the uh, in the college dorm and top that off with a couple cookies. And that's just one sitting on top of the dinner, but two entire pumpkin pies. It was around Thanksgiving time. So, wow. you know, that's just the typical, typical solution to one of life's many problems, and as somebody who was prone to having so much anxiety growing up, I was doing this to myself a couple times a week. So really the only thing that's sh- – it's really not as shocking to me that I had type 2 diabetes by 22 as it is that I only weighed about 220 pounds at five foot six when I got it. That's amazing. You know? That's really the, the, the miracle right there. Because I'm picturing something much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, you'd really think, you know, that I, that I would have done worse to myself. But uh, one of the things about type 2 diabetes and diabetes in general is when your blood sugar peaks to where it's so high to the point that you have type 2 diabetes, you do something to your kidneys, which is horrible, called spilling sugar. But in the process, you're not absorbing any calories, so you're actually losing weight. So what that really means is that by the time I had type 2 diabetes, I was, uh, my weight was basically stable because my pancreas and my, my insulin resistance was so trashed at the time that uh-huh. I wasn't going to be gaining any more weight. I was, uh, I was at the pinnacle of, uh, of problematic, which was blood sugar out of control, start losing weight. Okay. I see. Well, so moving forward, why did you write the book, Aaron? What's the ultimate goal of getting this information out there for you? The ultimate goal is that I suffered so you don't have to. Mm. You know, I, I came out with this disease, and I remember getting finding books and, and being given, in for, you know, the, the typical, you just need to exercise and, and uh, eat better and lose weight from my doctor at the time. And, you know, this was from circa 2000. The books were saying things like, when you drink juice, drink fresh juice, you know. 
And on your high mm-hmm. carb diet, just just you know have a have a high carb diet, but you know try and avoid the the higher glycemic carbohydrates, whatever that meant. And it was ridiculous advice. I I remember trying this diet and being exhausted. And I remember back in my mind, about 16 years old, one time forgetting my dad cooking me a a steak with some broccoli and just not eating the potato because I think we didn't have it or it was cold, but basically winding up on just for one meal a low-carb diet. Even at 16, realizing, geez, I feel really good. Really? Yeah, and that, that stuck in the back of my mind, you know, and a few years later, so I started to do the research, and it, I was able to lose a ton of weight following a lower-carb diet, and I started to think, you know, this, this is something that's working for me, and of course, you know, there's no books at the time that are telling me that this is going to help for type 2 diabetes, but lo and behold, I'm not needing my, my prescription metformin, I didn't need to take any insulin, they had given me other drugs that I didn't need to take, my blood sugar was improving, my energy was improving, my weight was going down. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely something to this. Now, the problem with it was, if you've ever tried to be on a low-carb diet, and I mean 30 grams of carbohydrates a day, not counting fiber, and you try and do that for six months to a year, you might want to kill someone. Yeah, I can see you that. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so the one the one thing that's that's unique about my diet is I realized, you know, there we do have cravings that build up. It is okay to indulge in them from time to time, but finding that balance, you know, you'll hear the phrase eating in moderation, that didn't really work for me. But what I did find out was that if I could eat a low-carb diet and feel great for five days a week, there is a scientific principle at work where I can then indulge in some carbs on the weekends and keep my blood sugar stable satisfy my cravings, keep losing weight, keep the fat off, mm-hmm. and perpetually go about doing that over and over and over again. Okay. And so when I figured that out, it's like, okay, now I need to publish this, you know, because this is something that people can live with. I was a diehard, you know, junk food junkie. I mm-hmm. loved fast food. I was able to figure out how to actually eat a healthy, normal diet, well, a low-carb healthy diet for five days a week and still have that piece of chocolate cake or the cheesecake or the cheeseburger or whatever it was on the weekends and go back and just not have those horrible cravings anymore. And so that's what the new diabetes prescription was really about. It was like, let's, you know, let's put all this information in a book so that the hell that I went through is nothing that anybody else has to go through. If you really want just to not be this food addict who gains and gains and gains weight. And if you have the genes for type 2 diabetes, you wind up for that. Or if you don't have the genes for type 2 diabetes, you just wind up overweight. Mm-hmm. If you really want to not have that problem anymore, here is how you can do it. And that was the purpose of writing this book. Excellent. I, I have an important question next, but you just reminded me of something. If, if people move their carbs to the weekend... Well, is that habit forming? Like, will they, will in their minds, because I read thoroughly the section on cravings, and I want to talk about that right. a little later, but what just kind of popped up in my mind is, will it, will it be kind of habit forming in the sense that, oh, the weekend's coming, I get to eat carbs and maybe weaken your resolve, or is there a danger of that happening? You know, that's, 
That's a great question. Um, I remember you and I discussing before Block Talk uh, started that we were going to talk about something called leptin resistance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And without getting into the science right now, basically your carb cravings from the previous carb load are going to be under control during the week to the point where when you get to the weekends, you're not dying to binge out on them. Okay. You're going to go into the weekend with control. Okay, I see. And I remember and that's that part. Going on. I remember yeah. that part in the book where you talk about that craving maintenance. Well, important question: What what can people hope to achieve by applying the wisdom you share? Are there any negative side effects to applying your methods? Well, the the biggest negative side effect that you're going to come up with are the people in your life who may want a fatter you. You know, mm-hmm. we, we can all have those negative people, but in terms of your in terms of health, this is a low carb diet. You know, and on the weekends, I do encourage you to have the the better unrefined carbohydrates. But I, you know, I personally do have a cheeseburger and fries, or fried potatoes and bacon grease. You know, once on the weekends, and okay. uh, you know, you know, and that it doesn't cause the weight gain like like you know like an entire diet of that does. Sure. In fact, what happens sometimes you'll even lose weight because again you're triggering this hormone leptin, which we're going to have to get into to talk about yes, this because I it's will. just it's like you know how does this voodoo science work? It's not really voodoo science. Sure. But and and you're a mathematician, so you can apply a certain level of science. As you certainly did your research thoroughly. There's a lot of oh, scientific yeah. information in the book. Um, I kept up with it well, by the way. You're an excellent writer and put it in into words in a way that is very digestible. And um, easily applied, and, and I applaud that because that's not easy to do when you're when you're talking about hormones and chemicals of the body. And no, no, it's not. Yeah. Okay. And well, you know. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, well, no, no, please. Say, having a background in mathematics, you come to appreciate how you know even if concepts seem difficult, if you can make them alive for people and you can and you can make something like a hormone something that people can understand hey this isn't just some something that just you just glaze over but it's something you can actually manipulate it's power it's power that you can put in your hands and if you influence it in a certain way by doing x y and z then you can have this outcome and so that was really the style that I tried to adopt in you know writing this book and and again on the website was because I want people you know, you do have to understand some science if you really want to understand why all this works. But sure. if you can turn it from this glazed over, what is he talking about, to, aha, I understand that this influences this, influences this, you know, it not only makes it all make more sense, but it helps you stay on this type of eating better because you understand how profound the negative consequences are when you were eating whatever it was you were eating that made you gain 100 pounds in the first place. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that having the information that you provide in the book about those negative effects puts a visual in the mind of, we'll, we'll call them the eater instead of the reader, in, in the mind of the eater, if they say, okay, now if I ingest this, I know that, my, that this is going to happen, there's going to be a chain reaction, and then... I'm not going to feel well, or I know I'm going to gain weight. And having that information at a molecular level kind of builds that distaste for it. Have you found that, that was, in your own experience? That was that was one of my sincerest hopes 
in the style of writing that I put into this was that everybody would understand, you know, when I'm, when I'm writing, you know, the scientific parts of the book, that people would absolutely have a picture in their head so that when they're looking at that cheesecake or when they're looking at whatever, whatever their addiction is, mm-hmm. you know, that they would see something else. They wouldn't just see or feel the, the future release that they were going to get from this, but that, you know, when you, whenever you've got somebody who's dealing with an addiction, there's two ways in my mind that it can solve. One, you can mm-hmm. hit rock bottom. And the goal of this book is that we intervene with you before you hit rock bottom. Okay. And so how am I going to do that? I have to help you to understand just how bad it is about how you're eating right now. I have to enlighten you, literally enlighten you, bring up your level of consciousness to where you see the pattern in your life where every time you feel one way, you reach for this food. Or every time you eat a certain food, you're hungrier for junkier food sooner than you should be hungry in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I, can, if I can make you realize that, if I can literally bring up your level of consciousness to where this is no longer just something that's hitting you and hitting you and hitting you to the point where you actually get that you're creating your own nightmare, then, then I won. You know, then I was successful. Yeah, because it's a cycle of, it's a self-sabotage. Um, exactly. Cycle. This is a form of self-sabotage. Obesity is a form of self-sabotage, and 99% of the people who suffer from it. I tell my students, I, I'm in the lecture circuit, and um, I, I tell my students and my listeners a lot of the time, um, extra weight, I consider it emotional padding. I know it didn't it get there. It, it got there by, you know, and, and, we, and we're going to talk about emotional eating in a moment, but it's it's really... The action reflects the emotion, and the emotion is basically saying, I don't feel protected, I feel vulnerable. And like any other drug, um, the food, there's a numbing effect. Can you talk yep. about that, the numbing effect, and that's how we gain weight because we, that's our, our numbing tool, and then the weight sure. just packs on. Go ahead. Well, I'll, ta- I'll talk about this numbing effect from both an emotional and a neurochemical viewpoint because they're one and the same. From the neurochemical standpoint, the numbing effect. I am anxious for whatever reason. I am in fight or flight mode or I am depressed and I want to not feel this, this knot in my solar plexus anymore. I want to not feel this anxiety. So what am I going to do? If I have already programmed myself to figure out that I can soothe this this emotional turmoil with chocolate cake, let's talk about that. What is chocolate cake? Chocolate cake is the combination of sugar and fat together. That's what it is. You can talk about ice cream. You can talk about chocolate cake. You can talk about cookies. You can talk about candy bars. You can talk about donuts. But what we're talking about is we're talking about an excess amount of sugar and fat together. And when you consume sugar and fat together, what you do is you increase the neurotransmitter serotonin in your brain. Mm -hmm. And that is the precise neurotransmitter that uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, also known as antidepressants, work on, like Prozac. Mm -hmm. That's what Prozac seeks to do. It's seeking to do the exact same thing as chocolate cake. Really, the two are the same thing. They're having the same effect. And so what, that's, what is that going to do? It's going to make you feel better. It's going to give you that numbness, but 
it's going to do it even better than Prozac because what chocolate cake can do on that Prozac can't do is one, it works faster. Yes. Two, it increases your insulin levels, and when your insulin levels go up, your blood sugar goes down, and that, when you're in an anxious state, well, definitely can make you feel less anxious because it's mm-hmm. going to cause brain fog. Again, it's increasing this neurotransmitter serotonin, so it's going to make you all of a sudden just kind of feel chilled out. I mean, it's the same as smoking a joint. Okay. You know, that's what's going on. Now, you go through, let's talk about this emotional pouting. You go through a cycle of this, and you keep doing this. Yeah, you're going to be putting on weight. It's going to, it tends to drive certain people away from you. I know I had uh, one woman who... I was in a relationship with for two years. She was a type mm-hmm. 2 diabetic. She was my height. She was 260 pounds. She told me that her first year in college, she intentionally gained about 80 pounds because she didn't want men to look at her anymore. Right. That's you know, common. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's actually very common. So, yeah, uh, when you're, you know, this is something to look out for is one of the patterns that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. When you are feeling turmoil... Pay attention to what it is you're looking for. If you're looking for sugar and fat, what you're really looking for is serotonin. And what you really might be looking for then, you know, besides just not feeling this this anxiety or this pain or whatever this is, you are also looking to add that emotional padding. And, you know, I talk about this for 100 pages in different strategies about what you can do because... Really, like I say, emotional eating is the spark that lights the, di- the diabetic dynamite or the obesity mm-hmm. dynamite. You know, nobody yeah. got fat eating broccoli and chicken after finishing a marathon. Right. It, it doesn't happen that way. And it's, and it's not a conscious thing. Nobody embarks on a journey to become obese either. No. <laughs> it's, it's all unconscious, you know, and what yeah. we have to look at our subconscious beliefs about ourselves, and we have to look at our relationships. Of course, on the show, they've heard me say it starts with our relationship with our creator, how, whatever label you give that, then it's your relationship yep. with yourself. And like I said in the introduction, your relationship with yourself, it will be reflected in everything around you. So if you are not comfortable in your own skin, literally, with who you are and what is, what is inherently good in you, you are going to punish yourself for something, and some people choose food to do that. You know, there yeah. are other other things to do, but when for those who choose food, we're talking to you. Um, I wanted to also mention that um, I lost my thought on that. Are getting that feeling, and they're saying, okay, yeah. like in, it's like an itch. And yeah, say, okay, I feel I feel anxious, I feel stressed, I need something, and you get that itch in your hand. And for some people, it's Hagen dazs and for other people, it's a big, greasy cheeseburger from a fast food restaurant. I want to talk about these, the emotional triggers, and then I want to go into how to rein that in and what to look at in our emotions so that we can change eating habits. Okay. Sure. Okay, so sure. what's happening of, at that level? Sure. Well, the emotional triggers, you know, I mean, that, that is what's going on is we, we're living this life. We are having emotional triggers going on through our day. We all have a job. We all have family. We all have friends. We all have our own inner turmoils. And for some people, you know, a crisis happens at work, and I, and I try to talk about that comically in the book. 
for other people, there's a certain family member that just sets them off and oh, yeah. they want to deal with it. But you get that craving. You get that itch. The pattern's been set. You're used to dealing with food to treat this pattern. What do you do instead? Well, the first thing that you have to do is now that we're aware of it is be aware of it. Be aware that, okay, I am feeling this craving, not because I want this chocolate cake, but because, you know, I, my brother, you know, he once again said this to me and I am just ticked off about it. Or because my boss is, you know, is, is yelling and screaming again about the most minute details that weren't even my fault to begin with. You know, I want to raid the candy jar at work. You know, the first yeah. level is awareness. And all of a sudden, we're changing our relationship with ourselves. You know, okay. all of a sudden, it's not, I want this chocolate cake because I want it. But it's actually, somebody else has said something to me that makes me want this chocolate cake. And now what's happening? If you really did just acknowledge that to yourself, you're not trying to solve your chocolate problem anymore. You're trying to solve your relationship with somebody else. Right. Right. You know, and so that's, you know, just that, that mm-hmm. one level of awareness. And so what does that do? It gives us pause. Now, the itch probably hasn't gone away, especially if this is the first time you've encountered it. It's not going to go away for the first 50 times. You know what I mean? Right. It's going to be a fight. So what do we do? Well, we've acknowledged it. I talk about in my in my book some ways to bring up your awareness so that you can start to see, hey, you know, what is the choice that I really want to make here? You know, I've got two choices, basically. I can eat this food or I cannot. Well, if I'm not, what am I going to do? You can go for a walk. You know, you can mm-hmm. leave the situation. You're going to have to leave the situation one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You, now that you're aware of this problem, you can't deal with it the same way that you have. You're actually going to have to face it. You know, sometimes that may mean getting a new job. It doesn't always. Sometimes, it, you know, there is a conflict resolution that you can do with your boss depending on how, you know, open they are to it. Yeah, now, that's a major things, factor. Yeah, it is a major factor. So what we're really talking about is the development of the person, the development of the self. Okay. You know, because we're, we're talking about adapting to a situation in a more healthy way, and sometimes that requires you to address the situation directly instead of indirectly. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I mean, I want you to think think about the strong. Now, I'm I'm guilty of this, so I'm gonna. I don't want you to think I'm putting down anybody because I'm putting down myself. You know, in this process. But when you are the kind of person that I was, who was bullied a lot growing yes. up, I was I was there. I was physically abused and horribly. You know, growing yes. up in, in different ways. Then bullies are going to have power over you, and so of course. What's going to happen whenever you get into a conflict? You don't, you know, you cower, just like yes. I did. Mm-hmm. And so, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm absolutely not going to want to deal with this person. I'm going to instead just want to eat the chocolate cake and 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 create my, you know, and create my emotional baggage around me and and protect myself and be done Fantasy with it. Fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and and so, what are we talking about here? We're really talking about. You know, sometimes you're going to have to come out of your comfort zone if you really want to stop eating this way. There you is know, no other From way. an emotional standpoint. Exactly. Now, there are, there's a lot that we can do, though, to lessen this craving, you know, as bad as it, as bad as it is. And what we, one of the things that we can do is we can acknowledge that cravings happen. The, the need for sugar and fat to raise serotonin 
you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's something that exists in our bodies. How can we turn this to our advantage? Well, what if we put our cravings on a schedule? What if instead of using chocolate cake every 10 in, 10 in the morning, because, by the way, your worst cravings are at about mid-noon or mid-afternoon and mid-morning when serotonin levels are lowest. Okay. What if we knew this happened and so we had cottage cheese with berries 30 minutes before we tended to get our worst cravings? You know? That's, yeah, that makes sense. Then we're, we're putting our cravings on a schedule. You know, I have basically a shake that tastes something like ice cream every night, every work night. Yeah, the recipe for it's in here, and it looks yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and it uses uh-huh. it uses a, a, a fiber called glucomannan that expands 100 times its size. That's just a bulking agent and uses Fantastic. a natural sweetener called stevia. It mm-hmm. uses an award-winning low-carb protein powder, and it uses half and half, you know, and, and ice. You know, I've fed this to my son. I made a, basically a mint strawberry shake or a mint strawberry pudding out of it that tasted almost exactly like strawberry ice cream and my my 12 year old son looks at me and he says how did you do that because he knew this was something healthy that i made but i i basically fed myself high protein low carb dessert for dinner i put my cravings on a schedule now if you want to get spiritual about this this is embracing the fact that we have a dark side you can look at it like that you know i'm not i'm not perfect you know i'll I'll stay and say that on the radio i'll say that on my blog you know i'll say that in person i'm not perfect and if I can know that cravings are going to come up and I can fend them off with something that, you know, basically I'm almost, you know, I'm walking away completely stuffed from something that was completely healthy for me. Mm-hmm. Why is that so bad? You know, in a world of good, better, and best where there's no such thing as perfection because none of us are perfect, right? this is so much better than the old way that I used to deal with my problems. You know, mm. I still have problems, but I don't have to deal with them with food because every day I know that I'm going to get something sweet. You Got you. Okay. No, we so have to is, find a different way, a, a better way yeah. of dealing. Yeah. And not well, punishing we, ourselves know, by saturating our systems with food that cause illnesses. No, instead reward yourself with that exact same sugar and fat sensation in a healthy form. Mm-hmm. You know, How did you uh, get there was a the conflict. You can't punish yourself with something that you're rewarding yourself with. All of a sudden, exactly. the punishments become a reward. There you go. I love it. What? How did you get to this point, though, when, like, even when you got started? I know you researched a long time. What did you find was the greatest obstacle that was in your way? Oh, myself. I mean, you know, you'll start, you'll start eating, going on this low-carb diet, and if you go on a low-carb diet all the time, your cravings are going to build. And what's going to happen is you're going to want to act on those cravings. And you're going to want to act on those cravings when you're emotionally the most unsettled. Fight or you know, flight reaction. Yeah. The world is not the, like the TV show The Biggest Loser where all you can do is focus on weight loss 24-7. You are, you know, and, and this book, this website, it's all designed where you're living in the real world. You're going to have real commitments. You're going to have stress. You're going to have poor sleep. You're going to have familial commitments. You're going to have your car breaking down. Pricey. You're going yeah. To have your, yeah. You're going to have your schedule interrupted, and you're going to have to learn to manage this weight loss. And so how do we do that? And so, you know, that's, that's what I 
was the biggest challenge was realizing how to adapt in all those different situations this same lifestyle, how to not act on the craving. And to the point where now I can go my five days and I'm actually not feeling that need anymore to have those chocolate miniature candies. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can, okay. it's just gone. And part of that was learning to put my cravings on a schedule, was realizing, you know what, this, uh, this whole let's abstain from the sugar and fat cravings, well, wait a minute, what if we can find healthy forms for it? Okay. So you that, know? Was, that was largely yeah. the winner. That that, that, yeah, that's a, it's a huge part. But I'm also thinking as I'm listening to you talk, that's a major decision to make in your life, and you were, in fact, only 22. Yeah. Was it was it frightening to you that you had to change everything that was at that point acceptable, or was your determination that this disease wasn't going to ruin or run your life get you over some kind of fearful hurdle about making these lifestyle changes? Because that can be extremely frightening to a lot of people. Oh, sure it was. Well, the way it works for me is I come from a diabetic family. I am a fourth-generation diabetic, so my great-grandmother had it, passed it on to my grandfather, passed it on to my mother, passed it on to me. So I was hearing all these stories growing up about this horrible grandfather that I've never met named Boris who would scream at his, scream at, you know, my aunt and my mom and and have these blood sugar crashes and roll over and just – cover his, uh, you know, his chocolate soda binges with extra insulin and, and said some horrible things to my mother on his deathbed. And so, and, Come on. You know, uh, yeah, on and on and on. And so what am I hearing? I'm hearing about a guy who killed himself at an early age from his disease and mm. dragged everybody to hell in the process. You know, this is, this is in my mind. Now, again, I'm hearing about somebody who's destroying themselves with food with a, who has diabetes. All of a sudden, right. at the age of 22, I find out I'm that person. Okay. And so I was blessed by having that example in my mind because what instantly happened, the first thought when I found out that I had type 2 diabetes was this is no longer okay. And that this was the way I was eating. And so it didn't, there was, it was the, that was my rock bottom moment. Okay. You know, and I didn't, I'm lucky, the reason I'm blessed is because I didn't have to wind up in the hospital, I didn't have to have a leg amputation. amputation. Yeah, I didn't have to have blindness. I had this, I had this guy who I never met who died 30 years, 25 years before I was born, Mm -hmm. who went through it all for me, and I could see that that's exactly where I was going to wind up if I didn't turn around. There you go. What do your doctors think of you? Turn over the book, it, you'll you'll see a, a Dr. Anderson who wrote a blurb for it. That's yeah. my doctor. You know, so he's, he's he's very happy. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll go to him, and we never talk about my diabetes. We talk about my sinusitis, or we'll <laughs> talk about my occasional eczema flare-up. Eczema but what we never eczema. talk about him. We never talk about my diabetes. <laughs> What's his rash, Doc? Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. I, I feel you yeah. with the eczema. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was funny, you know, let's talk about eczema instead of this. I want to give people yeah. an idea of just how much of an epidemic this is. On page six of your books, you say that diabetes is not going away. 
the National Institutes of Health, estimates there are over 24 million Americans with diabetes today, 25% of whom don't even know they have it. Another 57 million have pre-diabetes, and the CDC estimates one in three Americans born after the year 2000 will get diabetes in their lifetime. They are calling it an epidemic. Un- but these are this is a lot of people, and it's all diet related. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, type two diabetes is it's polygenic, which means there's a lot of genes that go off diabetes for you to get this disease. Now, if you don't have any of those genes for diabetes, and you just eat and eat and eat, well, then you've just got the obesity epidemic. You don't have the diabetes epidemic. So basically, okay. all these type two diabetes, type two diabetics who are showing up in our population. They're all overweight, so that was the yes. trigger. And it just so happens that these poor people have the genes for type 2 diabetes, and so on top of their obesity, they're getting this insulin resistance, which is, cause, which is the cause of type 2 diabetes. So really, I mean, if you want to talk about solving this problem, let's not talk about diabetes. Let's talk about obesity. And if you want to solve the problem of obesity, let's talk about how we're eating, how we're treating ourselves. Exactly. It's about self-acceptance and self-love if you get to the bottom of it. So you're saying if diabetes runs in your family, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get it, but it can lie dormant until you trigger it with your lifestyle choices. Yes, exactly. Okay. Because it runs in uh, my family. Um, You mentioned in the book the different types of diabetes, one, two, gestational, and there's a couple others. And um, I had a family member who had gestational diabetes, but like you said, Mm -hmm. after the pregnancy, it does go away. But that's, you know, as soon as you hear diabetes, you you just cringe. Whoa. Um, You know, tell you what, let me take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, I want to dig further into stress and how that affects normal people and diabetics okay sure all right hang on and don't go away everybody we'll be right back right after these messages the odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas one in 300 million the odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, maryland spending 11 weeks at number one on the u.s singles charts one in 19 million the odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One and 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One and 800,000. The odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Explore new areas of interest, expand your knowledge, and gain clarity about your life's purpose at the Ocala Inter Center. Affectionately known as OIC, the Ocala Inner Center, just two blocks south of Town Square, offers workshops, classes, healing meditations, and special events for the Ocala, Gainesville, and Central Florida spiritual community. Check out our calendar of events at OcalaInnerCenter.com. And if you're looking for a place for your next workshop or seminar, go to OcalaInnerCenter.com and give Jean a call. And we're back. We're here with Aaron D. Snyder, author of The New Diabetes Prescription, The Diet, Exercise, and Mindset Revolution. Aaron, we have to talk about stress because that is such a 
major factor, but I wanted to, we did talk a little bit about the, the work-related um, mm-hmm. instance, but let's go a little further, and, and because in prescription number three, you organize the book by prescriptions, like prescription one through 12, and in prescription mm-hmm. three, you, it's a, your prescription is change the stress or change your response, and we talked about maybe it'll, it'll mean you'll have to get a new job, and so many people out of the interest of having uh, stability or health insurance, they're, they're reluctant to make the changes they need, but they're willing to put their health last above, you know, their families. I mean, literally, they could develop a much bigger disease. Let's talk about stress on the body and some of the chemical reactions. Sure. I mean, and it's like you said, you know, it's, if you don't, if it's not within your level of consciousness that your work is damaging your health to such a profound degree, you're never going to change. You know, and what are those chemical processes? Well, basically what happens, whenever you're under stress and you go into fight or flight and it's your boss shouting at you or it's that you're running through the woods terrified out of your mind from from a tiger, let's talk about the difference between those two. When your boss shouts at you, you release stress hormones like adrenaline, cortisone, and these prepare you for fight or flight, and it's it's the very familiar sensations where, you know, you're very excited, you're very alert, you don't have to go to the bathroom, you're no longer hungry, everything seems to slow down, you're able yes. to think quicker. Mm-hmm. We know this well. Well, what happens when you're in a situation where you're just, your chain is jerked, or rather your body's chain is jerked over and over and over again, where you experience such a profound sense of stress but it's not fighting for your life. It's just verbal and, you know, emotional confrontation. Well, you actually do have a different response than if it really was a real life and death situation, and it can lead to something called adrenal fatigue. So what's happening is you develop, you throw up all these stress hormones over and over and over again, your body starts to figure out that you're you're the boy who cried wolf. It realizes that when you're done, you're you're really not raising for your life. This was not a life or death situation. You're actually just somebody who's experiencing a ton of stress and you know, there's really nothing physical following this stress impulse. And right. so that's different from a true fight-or-flight response where it's, it's a bear who's going to chase you and all of a sudden the stress kicks up and you've got to sprint. Right. And what happens is you develop something called adrenaline resistance, which is where your body, to protect itself, actually blocks the, the signal of adrenaline to drive yourself further and further and further so that you can deal with this situa- situation at a life-or-death like speed. What happens is you actually develop fat loss resistance in the process. In fact, Mm. a couple of other things happen. You become hungrier. Your cravings go up. When, if you act on those cravings, your blood sugar will be less stable. You won't sleep as well. You'll want to stay up. You'll have a harder time falling asleep. And when you do wake up, you'll be groggier. So this is a whole cascade of problems that happens just from you overreacting, basically. Exactly. You know, it, it's a choice. There's a difference it really between is a choice. 
the two scenarios is is this: the bear chasing you. That's danger. Yeah. The stress and anxiety of family, home life. Um, maybe and even I'll throw this out there: caregivers who are caring for an aging parent or oh, a special yeah. needs child. That kind of oh, stress. Yeah. That's fatigue. That's fear. That's it, it's different. You know, fatigue as a result of God bless fear. those people. They suffer from the caretakers of the world. Let me tell you, caretakers of the world, God bless all of you. Half of you are overweight because you're, yep. you're taking care of somebody else, but you're not loving yourself. Yes. You know, I, 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 it's, it is such a cliche to the point that, you know, pe- these people don't realize it. They feel selfish doing anything for themselves. For themselves, exactly. They'll do everything for somebody else. And nothing for themselves. I was in a relationship with two different diabetic women. Both of them, the primary caretakers in the family, they're just completely relied on. They were both about 100 pounds overweight. Wow. Uh, You know, both of their bodies destroyed. One of them, you know, unfortunately wound up winning a a class, not a class action, but a a medical malpractice lawsuit from a a failed back surgery. Okay. Yeah. it's, It's sad. It is sad. I just I I know people who've done it, and you see that hollow look in their eyes, yeah. and you just you just want to save them. But getting back to like the adrenaline resistance, the leptin resistance, let's talk about how these things exacerbate the the problem. Well, when we're talking about obesity, we've got three hormonal systems that are making us want to eat more, that are slowing our metabolism down, that are increasing our cravings. There's basically okay. three of them, and they all they all make each other worse, and they all kind of have a different start point of this is what caused it. You know, what can I do to stop it? So we'll talk about the leptin resistance and what's leptin. You go on a diet, you lose some weight, and then your cravings come up, and then you do the, the rebound weight gain because you act on those cravings, and your metabolism is, is a little slower, and you've gained more weight than when you started. Everybody has heard of or experienced this phenomenon. And leptin yes. was the reason. So what leptin is, is it's a hormone that's actually excreted by your fat cells. So all of a sudden, your fat cells are actually a major hormone system. We didn't know this until you know a few decades ago. But what happens is, you've got a certain amount of leptin that comes out of your fat cells that reaches your brain. And okay. it doesn't matter what that level is. What matters is that you're your brain, your hypothalamus, is expecting a certain amount of leptin. Now, it's getting emitted by fat cells, so if all of a sudden you have fewer fat cells because you went on a diet, less leptin is reaching the brain. And if less leptin reaches the brain, then what happens? Well, leptin happens to be the way that your body regulates your metabolism. It knows if you're starving from this message. And so if it receives less of this message, it says, aha, this person is starving. So what we need to do is we need to slow the metabolism down to, so that we're not burning calories so quickly so that we can survive that next ice age. Because your brain is looking for that next ice age any minute. It's right. ready. Okay. You know? So what happens is when you continually lose weight, gain weight, or overeat a lot of food, I'm talking about a lot of refined sugar and fat, what's happening in your brain is you're bombarding the body with too much leptin. Why? You're gaining fat. What happens when you gain fat? More leptin goes, goes up. What happens when more leptin goes up? More leptin reaches the hypothalamus. And eventually what can happen is the hypothalamus becomes numb to the 
receiving the signal of leptin. And so we developed something known as leptin resistance, a resistance to the signal. What happens when that happens is your metabolism slows down, your energy slows down, your cravings go up. Uh. What did you do to cause that? You overate again and again and again. Time that you're doing that, every time you're, you're practicing that, you're actually making your metabolism worse. Okay. And so that's the big problem with leptin resistance. Mm-mm-mm. Why do people crave certain foods? Because in the book you go into some crave sugar, some crave carbs and salt. Sure. Sure. Well, what we're What's talking about is we're talking about the two major cravings, and this, this ties back into stress. We've got two major cravings. We've already talked about the sugar and fat craving and how that influences serotonin. Mm-hmm. But we also have this other craving, which is the nachos craving, the cheeseburger craving, the pizza craving. Now, what are these? This is a lot of salt, protein, and fat together. So we've got salt, fat, and protein. What does that combination do? It increases dopamine. Dopamine is another neurotransmitter in the brain that's needed for energy and motivation and drive. And so, you know, you picture that, that you have an office worker, you have two office workers, and they're, they're both working late into the night. If one of them may be craving motivation, physical motivation to actually do more work, we're talking about the caffeine high, and it's not just caffeine that's going to do it for them anymore. Well, what right. they're craving then is dopamine. And so that person is going to want to eat the nachos, they're going to want to have the cheeseburger. And they're going okay. to get back to work thinking, okay, well, problem solved. Now, you can have another person who just feels lousy about the fact that they have to work so late mm-hmm. into the night. This mm-hmm. person needs emotional comfort. And so, the, you know, the person sitting right next to the person who just munched on the, on the, on the, uh, the cheeseburger, this person's now going to crave chocolate cake because what they're craving is basically serotonin. They're craving comfort so that they can feel better about themselves having to work so late. And get off and so the, the self-pity, okay. Exactly, exactly. And so we have these two different neurotransmitters working in the brain, and they tie back into which way they go depending on leptin and another hormone called neuropeptide Y. But basically what's going on is these are the two big cravings that you have to look out for. And so what you can do is, again, if you're in this situation, you don't have to eat a lousy version of this craving to satisfy it. Instead of having, you know, the cheesecake, you can have the cottage cheese and the berries with some nuts. Mm-hmm. And instead of having the cheeseburger, you can have just regular old chicken and you can put some cheese on it if that's going to make you feel better and have some broccoli and, and salt it down with that meal. You can okay. get the same sensation in your brain without wrecking your body. It's a choice to have to have the junk food. Got you. So we need to understand what it is we're really craving, which is the chemical that's lacking in our brain. Exactly. And we reach for unconsciously the foods that will kickstart. And we, exactly. we think we're solving a pro, like one problem, but we're really just increasing a chemical and causing another problem, a secondary result. Exactly. Residual and so effect. And in this world of good, better, and best, what would be best was if we could just stop doing all the work and go right to bed. But that's not what we can do. And if you're going to have these cravings and if it's really plaguing you to want to act on them and it's 11 o'clock at night, 
Well, let's look at the difference. If we're talking about some baked chicken with some broccoli, we're talking about 250 to 300 calories. If we're talking about an entire pepperoni pizza, we're talking about 3,000 calories, 10 times the amount. It's a choice. Either one can make you feel better, but how are you going to feel about yourself the next day on, depending on which one you act on? Right. Mm-mm-mm. Well, aside from foods, there's also some beverages I'd like to discuss. Let's talk about... Um, Caffeine, diet soda, and you go into great lengths about the benefits of green tea, which I absolutely love, but I learned a lot from reading your book. So let's start with caffeine. Sure. When we're talking about caffeine, we can go back to this concept of adrenaline resistance. You know, caffeine is basically stress, stress in chemical form. You know what I mean? If you want to create mm-hmm. stress, drink a lot of caffeine, not just a little bit of it. Now, the thing is about caffeine is it has a sweet spot. And that sweet spot is well under what you'll get at very well nationally known coffee stores. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, basically by the time you're, you're ordering a Vente or, you know, whatever the, the large coffee is, you're talking about 200 to 400 milligrams of caffeine, which for most people is too much. Really, to feel the best effects from caffeine, you don't ever have to be consuming more than 100 milligrams. And if you don't want to have any of the negative stress effects from caffeine, about 100 milligrams would be the most that you'd want to take in. thing is, coffee's already going to go north of that. So what do you do? Well, there is green tea. And here's the amazing thing about green tea. When you've had it before, you may have noticed that you don't feel overly stressed, overly driven, overly jittered by it, yet it had caffeine. Now, why is that? Because green tea also contains an amino acid known as theanine. And theanine is an amino acid that works on the neurotransmitter GABA, gamma immunobutyric acid. It also okay. works in serotonin. Now, GABA is really interesting because that's what Xanax acts on. Really? You really? Know? Yeah. That, uh, benzodiazepines are seeking to increase levels of GABA in the brain. Or you can just take this amino acid, theanine, your choice. You know? Okay. And as somebody who has been treated by a psychotherapist for anxiety, let me tell you, yeah, it works. You know, I've never taken a Xanax. Really? Yeah. So really, 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 I'm very happy to say that. Cause, you know, I have another family member who just downed and actually tried to commit suicide on an overdose from them. Oh, sorry you know, to hear that. That's how dependent she is on them. Yeah, and, and that's, that's another form of self-sabotage. It is tough. Yes, that's very it, difficult. It is tough. I used to but take depression yeah. medication. Uh, I had a tragedy. Yeah. There was a major tragedy in my life at 25. And eventually, I, I got, and I took a very low dose uh, tricyclic, not Prozac and not a high, not an MAOI, a monolamine mm-hmm. oxidase inhibitor. It was a tricyclic, one of the first ones in the 50s. And if people, you know what, I'm going to do this. If you are feeling depressed, or if you feel that you're on a medication that is too much for you, ask your doctor about amitriptyline. It, you can do it in low doses. All it does is very naturally gets the brain to produce more serotonin, regulates your moods, helps you sleep, and the most you'll have is maybe some dry mouth, and you wake up in the morning and shake off the cobwebs. I fixed it by doing 10 push-ups. I was good to go. Anyway, so just if something told me it was important to tell people that. Um, I would... I would like to happily announce I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. Wow. I do like my soda. So I will I haven't have... had a soda in the 21st century. Uh, you said over 10 years it's been, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I've not had a regular soda period. in the 21st century. I've gone for long periods, but since I started the radio show, I was working 14 to 16 hour days. What yeah. should I have done instead of reaching for a soda? More crunches? Well, the best the best way to do that, if you're going to be having that type of a schedule and you need some pick me up, wouldn't the way that you can increase that that sensation of just drinking the green tea and you want something else besides that is you can take an amino acid called L-tyrosine. L-tyrosine okay. is what increases dopamine in the brain. You get it from your food. It's found in cheese. Okay. It's found actually in every, in every piece of protein that you've ever had in your entire life, you are already taking in L-tyrosine. Okay. Because you've, you've, had, you've had this amino acid your entire life hundreds of thousands of times. But if okay. you just okay. want just get a little bit extra edge on top of the green tea, you can take the L-tyrosine. You can take 500 to up to 1,500 milligrams three times a day. You can find that at, at nutrition stores. You can find that online. It's, it's pretty easy. But you have recommendations in here for supplements. You There's not enough time to tell everybody how great this book is. You go into exercises. You have illustrated exercise routines. You have recipes for food, healthy, uh, nutritious meals, um, information on what foods you want to get most of and when to eat it. You even have how to lose weight over the holidays. Um, but there's interesting information you put in here about um, sweeteners, and you say that stevia is the best among the sweeteners and to stay away from the pink, yellow, and blue packets, and I want to talk about that. Sure. Well, stevia no, is really it's just – well, what's great about stevia is it's the only natural non-caloric sweetener there is, at least that I know of. It's made from a leaf. Okay. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't get more natural than that. You know what I mean? It came right off your tree, except it doesn't have any calories in it. And I will I will sweeten everything with that. I mean, I I sweeten. You know, I we do have some coffee in the morning. I'll, I'll sweeten that. I when I make my protein shakes, I sweeten it. You know, I sweeten it with that. Mm-hmm. My mom has found out how to make a a low carb cheesecake with it. You know, that tastes pretty darn good. And okay. so, why is that so good? Well, you know, one it's it's non caloric. Two, it doesn't, if you've probably noticed, sometimes when you take in a lot of artificial sweeteners, you can actually increase your cravings for sugar. And one of the reasons for this is, you know, when you're drinking, say, 12 diet sodas, try and, you know, if you were to drink 12 diet sodas, your cravings for sweets would actually be higher at the end of that than at the beginning. And the reason is, is because you have just, over time, desensitized your brain to the sensation of sweetness. You've taught it that Sweet does not have calories. Okay. Yeah, that's what you. That's what you did. And so, what happens when you go back to eating sweets is you think, oh, well, this has no calories, in it, and so you can wind up overeating on it. Well, mm. the great thing about stevia is because it's natural, is it doesn't have that counteractive effect. So, putting a little bit of it here and there doesn't increase your craving so much. Two, when you have it in a protein shake, all of a sudden you are backing up the sensation of sweet with calories, and so you're not having that problem. Oh, okay. So you you're know, that, that's the mind. one of the ways. Yeah, well, you're, you're compensating the mind. You're telling it, yes, so, you know, the sensation of sweet does have calories. Okay. You know, but with the, the packets, those things, I mean, you can kill ants with the, the blue one. I use the yellow one for that, too. If you have ants crawling in your kitchen, it is summertime, basically. Yeah. And I have found out about that, and I had some packets on hand for a relative who comes to visit. I don't use 
sweeteners, and I, I rarely, I don't eat sweets at all. Um, and so there, I really have no use for sugar. And if I have to bake something, I have to go get one of those little bags, and I usually just, it, it either sits there or it gets thrown away. But um, I found that this tip online, that the one in the yellow packet, you just sprinkle it around your countertops. So I said, why not? I just have it sitting there. And I did this, and it took about a day and a half, but it got rid of those ants. And then I researched it, and it said that the company who manufactures it originally manufactured it as a pesticide. And people are out there ingesting this. How do you feel? Do you get angry when you hear about this stuff? I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, you know, you go back to, uh, you go back to agave syrup, which people think is this, this amazing natural sweetener. Well, agave syrup is what's used to make tequila. And so it's actually for tequila companies that have too much of the syrup, all of a sudden they're trying to stick this in as a sweetener and sell it off. And what's funny about that is everybody's heard about high fructose corn syrup and how bad that is, how that's in sodas. Well, high fructose corn syrup is, is just a combination of fructose and sucrose. And it's about, depending on the, the brand, it can be as much as 50%. High fructose corn syrup can be 50% fructose, 50% sucrose. Here's the funny thing about agave syrup. It's 80% fructose. Oh, God. So if high fructose corn syrup is bad because it's got too much fructose, think about agave syrup. But that's a natural, healthy, quote-unquote, sweetener. Okay. So, yeah, marketing, marketing does, you know, I mean, i, I got to not let it make me mad. I, I just have to let it go and just accept that they're going to do what they're going to do and, and try and fight that battle another way because, yeah, it, it, it does have the ability to really get under my skin. Yeah, well, we can just educate people as, as often and as best we can. Um, yeah. With regard to the green tea, What's the best way to purchase it? Uh, I, I looked, and, and you mentioned um, a company that makes it in the tea bags. What, or do yeah. you have a, a, an opinion of the liquid stuff, like, say, um, I don't know, Arizona? Like, if I buy it in the liquid, is that okay, or should I buy raw the tea bag so I can make it fresh and then make iced tea out of it? The best that you can do is you, if you can find a tea store or an, an Asian food market that sells the really authentic green tea, if you ever had, like, authentic Japanese green tea and you know what that tastes like, find a green tea that does taste like that. And, you know, usually you're going to be okay. Believe it or not, Lipton green tea, actually, of all the different brands of Sade, had one of the highest levels of what's known as ECGC, which is epi jelly. That's the really healthy uh, catechin, which is uh, basically something that helps naturally stimulate you and okay. helps burn fat that's in green tea. So if okay. you're really looking for, for the, the, the most authentic fat-burning form of green tea, Lipton, Lipton's the way to go. Now, okay. what I have figured out to do, because I found ones that taste better than that, is uh, you know, there's a uh, place called Tivana, and they're, they're popping up all over the place, and they're online. They have several green teas that you can, you can buy, but that's the kind that you have to get the little metal container and, and actually soak inside boiling water yeah. to let that permeation occur. After you get used to it, it's really not so bad. But, if you know, again, if you're just in the grocery store and you want a green tea and, and you want to be done with it, go with the Lipton. Okay. But with the little ball you put the, the leaves in, I mean, if I was yeah. making a gallon of it, that wouldn't be so bad. But I don't think I'd want to do that every time I wanted some green tea. But I could make a large container of green tea, just sweeten it with the stevia. Do you have an opinion yeah. of sugar in the raw? 
a lot of um, foodies are are eating sugar sugar in the raw Ayurvedic Ayurvedic people. Yeah, sugar in the raw is still sugar. You and know, you want I mean, to... it's not. It's 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 going to increase your cravings. It's going to increase your blood sugar. It, it, it's not as it's not. It doesn't matter that it's organic. It doesn't matter that it's raw. It's sugar. Okay. Okay, gotcha. You know. Well, I, I so, want to yeah. talk about your website, but before I do, I want to mention that you also put a stress kit together in the book, and it's a fun way to nurture yourself through a stressful day. And you really put this, it's like a recipe for lowering yeah. stress. I, I thought that was really great. And you go into, of course, deeper into nutri- nutrition with different foods and omega-3s and and good carbs you go into, yep. all this great stuff, yep. um, low-carb diet. You say to have that most of the time, not all of the time, so you have a balance. Choosing your carbs wisely. Um, prescription eight, know what, when, and how much to eat. And very important, prescription number nine, know your diabetic complications, their medications, and your alternatives. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make with their medications? Taking uh, the advice from inexperienced doctors who screw them up. Wow. I had a friend who lost, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I mean, I have a friend who, this this woman, actually not a friend, it was a, my, I was in a relationship with her, the, the woman who won the medical malpractice suit, she oh. lost 50 pounds on a low-carb diet, and then a brand-new doctor gave her a beta blocker for her high blood pressure. She put 40 of it back on. She uh, experienced kidney failure on the operating floor, and she now has a leg amputated from complications from that. Oh, my God. And the, the doctor had said something that it just, you know, this is another thing that, whoa, do I need to control my anger over. She said, okay, you're going to have to change the way that you're losing weight. Well, I'm sorry, but there's about 100,000 different medications for high blood pressure that you can get. Why did you give this woman a beta blocker? You know, which are notorious yeah. for, 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 for increasing insulin resistance, actually causing type 2 diabetes for in somebody who already has diabetes. Okay. You know, and so, and, and so this type of thing is do not, your doctors are good people. I don't think that they're all in it for the money. I know there's some people who are very bitter and, you know, have a lot of negative stuff to say. I, I actually considered medical school. I don't think that these people are inherently evil at all. I really don't. Sure. I really think that they're out to help people, but they, they, they don't have the best tools all the time. Right, you right. Know? And you go into a lot of medicines and state, in fact, that many of the medicines that diabetics are taking actually make you put weight on. Yeah, and the, the beta blockers. Uh, and the beta blockers do that. Uh, okay. an example. And so there are a lot of things that you can do naturally or, you know, or with supplementation that are going to help you control the, the triad of diabetes complications, which is high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and high blood sugar, because you don't just have one. You don't just have a high blood sugar when you have type 2 diabetes. You have all three. Okay. And so if you're, I mean, it really is, it's a multi-spectrum problem, and you have to take care of all three. In fact, it's called metabolic syndrome for that reason. But, I mean, just starting to lose weight and exercise, then taking fish oil, which can cover all three, will actually help cover your basis to naturally start increasing your good cholesterol, lower your triglycerides, lower your LDL bad cholesterol, and start regulating your blood pressure. Okay. You know, the yeah. low-carb diet has a diuretic effect, which helps you control blood pressure as well. Okay. You know, so, you know, you moderate your salt intake while doing that, and you've solved more than half the problem. And, 
you know, another thing is it, one of my friends who did everything that we just discussed naturally went back to their doctor and said, you know, why are you always pushing those pills? And the doctor said, you know, he said, you know, Nathan, that was his name. He said, it's because I get so few patients like you who are willing to do anything to solve their own problem. Mm. I can relate so to really, that. You know, you've got to remember that. Before we point our fingers at doctors, let's first look in the mirror, you know, and ask, you know, is how we are as patients? Yeah. What can we do to help ourselves? In the uh, 90s, uh, my doctor called me up screaming. And, I'm, and I would become friends with my doctors, you know. They all called me Spice. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't feel good. So I went to the doctor, and, he, and he's like, what do you want? I said, I don't know. Maybe some blood tests. He says, all right, I'll do some blood tests. He says, what's the matter? I said, I don't know. Something's not right. I'm very sensitive. And that was another mm-hmm. question I want to ask you. Let me make a note. Let me just write that down real quick, and I'll finish my story so I don't jump around. Sure. Um, so I, I said, I, something feels wrong. Take some blood. Tell me what's going on there. Well, he called me up screaming. He says, what are you doing, eating cheesesteaks for breakfast? I'm from South Philly. I said, of course not. I'm on a very healthy diet, and I knew nothing of nutrition. I grew uh-huh. up in a home that didn't have heat or hot water, much less a stove. So there wasn't a whole lot of nutrition information being passed around at the dinner table. So I said, no, I'm eating all rice and pasta, because according <laughs> to Asian people, uh, it's very good for you, and I'm, I'm drinking like two quarts of, of fruit juice a day. Isn't that great? <laughs> He was screaming, get your ass in here. I'm going to hit you. So I get in there, and he hands me um, a diet book, high-protein diet. He says, read the book, but do what I tell you. I said, okay. So I read the book. I'm looking at all the math, and I get everything in my refrigerator, and I make an Excel spreadsheet. It was beautiful. I show up at the doctor's with an Excel spreadsheet with that calculates every bit of sugar, salt, carbs, anything I could get off a nutrition label. And I calculated everything very seriously for a matter of weeks and then presented him this big, long Excel spreadsheet. And he said, you know, it's crazy because I wish most of my patients took your health, took their health as seriously as you take yours. Yeah. So that might answer why some doctors are just, they kind of like think about it, heave a heavy sigh and reach for a pill, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, a shame. They- it really is. That's uh, you know they they really do you know they they see health as is this person going to live or is this person going to die? They live in that life or death situation. They're not they're not quality of life people. They're quantity mm. of life people first. Okay. You know, and so you know it's like yeah, I mean this pill may make you feel a little lousier, but uh, it's better than a heart attack. You know, right. that's the perspective. And, and I understand that. Weasels. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Well, here's here's the, one of the first questions I wanted to ask you, and, and I had made a side note. And that is with regard, since we're on a show about spirituality and metaphysics, what I do, I don't make decisions for myself. I ask. And because I'm intuitive, I use that to my advantage, even when it comes to food. So I generally ask, I'll ask my body or I'll just quiet my mind or I'll ask Jesus if I have to. But I will ask, what does my body need? What do you want? And sometimes the answer will be fish. Something will be something light like chicken. You know, sometimes it's just vegetables. Don't have any meat today. So I'll make Mm -hmm. a really nice vegetable dish with and make my own 
um, way to dress it up. You know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of all natural stuff. What was your path like as far as intuition? Do you think intuition played a, a large role in your journey and getting the book down and putting it out and in finding out what works for your body? Well, if, to be honest, it was everything. Um, I can't even – it goes past coincidence. You know, mind you, I do have a math and statistics background, and so I can tell you it was statistically improbable that it was not, you know, intuition and divine intervention that, that made the number of stars align to, uh, for me to learn what it is I was going to learn and then get it published. Okay. And in terms of, in terms of eating – yeah, I, I actually do go through something similar where I, I get the feeling, no, I'm going to have a tofu stir-fry tonight. You know, yeah. I'm not having any anything heavy. You know, I, I need to have things light. And so, yeah, that intuition becomes very important. Now, as you learn to eat better, your intuition becomes better. You know, and it's the same thing. I mean, yeah. as you become more of a spiritual person in whatever denomination that that is, and you start to, to practice that religion better, and you start to understand what it is you should be doing versus you should not be, that intuition increases. It's, it's the same thing with mm-hmm. your food. Whatever you want to call better, you know, as you get, quote-unquote, you learn what better is, and you know which, which one to decide on. Excellent. Well, I want to tell everybody about your, your website. Um, I'm going to hand that over to you. It's ultimateweightlossrx.com. Tell everybody everything you offer on your website for them to feel supported and empowered in losing weight or controlling their diabetes. Well, I'd love to. You know, first of all, if you don't even want to join the site and you just want to go, we've got a ton of free information in terms of exercises, recipes, and we have two blogs, both by myself and another woman who's in the process of losing weight. To just to give you tons of tips and information and keep you informed in the media about you know, the, the newest research going on in weight loss and obesity. And ultimateweightlossrx.com is basically taking the book that I wrote, taking the information I have, and not just for diabetics, but for anybody who wants to lose weight or live a healthier lifestyle, to have an interactive way to do so. It's basically like having a, the book that reads itself to you and says, hey, you really need to pay attention to page 32 or page 163 because that's what the biggest problem for you is. And so what I did was in realizing that all the different steps, all the 12 prescriptions that I have that I ask people to follow, not everybody needs all of them. And in fact, some people need to follow one for a long time before worrying about any of the others. And so what the website does is there's an interactive questionnaire that I designed using data mining techniques to actually identify what your biggest weight loss obstacle is. It tells you exactly what it is, and it tells you exactly what prescriptions and what tips to follow. Then what it goes, it goes a step further, and it, set, it allows you to set your own pace at how quickly you're going to resolve this problem. Because, you know, what we've been talking about with this you know, on this show is there's a lot of emotional appeal going on when there's a weight loss problem. And so you can't just think about one without the other. And so that's what setting the pace allows you to do. It allows you to deal with this weight loss problem at your own pace, but it keeps you just slow down so that you fall off the wagon. If you work the program, the program will work for you. And that's all UltimateWeightLossRx.com really is. It's an interactive digital version of me telling you exactly what your problem is. And we offer that at a standard price of nine ninety nine. but as, uh, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, anybody who goes through you will get a discount on top of that. Perfect. I like that. 
I like that. I like that program. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure meeting you and, and talking with you about this. And I really appreciate. You have to see the book. I have post-it notes all over it. Um, I do have a, a family member or two with diabetes uh, who is alive at the moment. So um, I will be getting them a copy as a gift. And this would make an excellent gift for anybody in your life if you would get a copy of this put it in the break room at work give it to a family member as a gift give it to a loved one and get this information into their hands you really did some thorough research and pulled this together quite nicely i really like this very much it was a pleasure to be on your show i really appreciate it oh thank you I, i appreciate that i get to talk about nutrition to this level, yeah. it's I like I like talking about everything. Actually, earlier in the week, I got to talk about sports from a spiritual perspective. If you can believe that, oh, fun! I had a blast. I got to talk right. about um, embodiment of spirit and watching Brian Westbrook from the Philadelphia Eagles running down the field, and had a great time. And I just I want to I want to talk about anything that will help anybody improve their their life, their sense of well-being, and get the, that nourishment they need on all levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And I think your book will help people get on that path. I really do. Wonderful. Thank you once again for having me on. It was a pleasure. You're quite welcome. Well, you take care, and I'll talk to you soon. You too. Okay, Aaron. Right, Bye-bye. All right. All right, everybody, that's our show for today. Please get the book, The New Diabetes Prescription, The Diet, Exercise, and Mindset Revolution. Aaron D. Snyder is the author. It is available at his website, the uh, ultimateweightlossrx.com. I apologize for that. Go to his website, ultimateweightlossrx.com. It's also available on Amazon. Email me at spiritualinsightsradio at gmail.com, and I will send you the information you need to sign up for his monthly program at a discount. Until next time, everybody, God bless and be at peace.